Welcome everyone to the Neil Rojo podcast. We're here today with Jake from Popular Front. Thanks for having me on. I'm so um, I'm so glad to get out of my uh, internet echo chamber and just talk about all of the same stuff <laughs> that's making me upset uh, here instead. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Um, so for those that don't know who Jake is, he's not a basic journo. He's like the MVP of today's conflict reporting. He's the brains behind Popular Front out there giving us the 411 on some global hotspots that mainstream media are afraid to touch. Think Syria, Ukraine, Turkey. Um, he's been there and done that. And he probably has like a bulletproof t-shirt or something to get him through it. His storytelling is kind of interesting because it is often what the mainstream media skips like no cap his journalism is is like earning him some of the most diehard uh simps online kind of like Anna that's why we got him on here <laughs> but he's but basically he's a disruptor and bringing back conflict journalism to today's world to bring bring edge back to it um bring uh humanity bring voices that are not being represented so we're really happy to have you today Jake um just before we get into this, um, how are you feeling as a person who has been doing this, you know, for so long and is watching today, you know, what's happening, you know, today in Israel and Palestine? Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me on though as well. Um, I've listened quite a few times. I think you do some really interesting stuff. Um, in terms of this kind of the Israel-Palestine, obviously that's what everybody's talking about right now. That's what's main on the news. All of the conflicts have kind of vanished, uh, it seems. In the headlines, um, I mean, it's just unbelievably sad. I, I'm not really interested in this kind of. I mean, on one side, you've got people literally saying that like rape and murder of women, civilian women, is somehow legitimate resistance. Ironically, the right. same kind of people that will also tell you that language is violence. Um, but right. then on the other side, you've got people literally cheering on the utter massacre of babies, children in Gaza. And that I've seen every time I log on, I see more of that than actual headlines. Um, so that's just like horrible. But really, in between all that, there's a lot of people, you know, trying to do stuff, trying to help, having normal conversations on both sides, communicating with each other. I mean, it's really that whole like nonsense is like one percent of the reality. You know, I, I try and remind people that. Have you seen what they said in line? Just forget it. Don't, no one cares. Like you know, like it's one of the things as well. Like particularly people there don't care you know what i mean so it's one of them ones um but yeah i mean I, i've done all right man i've pr done pretty well to avoid it saw some people i know just saying the dumbest shit i've ever seen and just like logged out for like four or five days we've got like a little team so just speaking to the lads they're like yeah let's put this out let's put that out and for all the like hey and you know we've been getting accused equally of being both zionist and jihadist um through that hate we had a lot of people actually privately reach out and be like thank you for being like a kind of sober voice um, I definitely do not ever support promoting psychopathy from wherever it comes from. So if a massacre happens, we say it's a massacre and I don't really care where someone's politics are for that. It's black and white to me if it's a massacre. But then obviously there's a lot of other stuff on top of that, which is why we're getting accused of all sorts of stuff now. Um, 
we had an article about the Lions Day and a Palestinian resistance movement in our most recent magazine. And that's go that's doing the rounds now, accusing us of being like Hamas fanboys, which is mental. So and then you know, and then it's just like you can't win. So you're not meant what to What was win, the though. article actually about? Uh, just about like why they rose up. This there's this new militant youth movement uh, in Nablus, um, and we put a picture of them on the front cover of our first issue of our magazine. It's a very stark image. It's a picture of two young men holding each other out of a window while whilst one is shooting. Obviously, I looked out. I was like, that looks really good. So that's going on the front cover. That's going to grab some attention, and the article is really good as well. Just breaks it all down, explains what it is. Um, but yeah, I mean, people are people are crying this, that, and the other. But actually, I'm quite proud of our coverage, and I think we've kind of kept it as we've always tried to, like, kind of from the point of view of people that are not psychopaths, you know. And believe it or not, there's not many people in journalism that aren't. <laughs> I don't think. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. It's true. Um, do you? So, do you have people currently in Gaza or around Gaza covering this? Well, not like our people, but there's someone we're, well, which we've been delaying it a bit because I want the first bit of coverage to come out to be a, from the ground in Gaza that we do on the podcast. And we're speaking to a guy that's in Gaza, but like every time we're ready to go, he has to move, of course, because he's getting nonstop uh, airstrikes on his head. He's not a militant. He's not a killer. He's a journalist. Um, and unfortunately, you know, he's having to move. Two of his colleagues have just been killed. And so it's getting very difficult to even get like 30 minutes on the phone with this fella. Um, not his fault, of course. But yeah, we, we've got like a guy there and then we've got another guy who's like on the other side. Well, he's, he's Jewish, but he's not Israeli. But um, he's a very, very useful, very level-headed, smart guy. There's loads of good people out there, you know, like a lot of this division along, along sectarian lines. Um, it, it's, it's very different in regards to like how actually people trying to get stuff done work. There's a lot of people that just want, I think a lot of people just want to be seen to be screaming as opposed to, I'm talking about social media, as opposed to like people that want to get stuff done and get the information out there. Um, so in terms of that side of it, there's a lot of good people working out there and we're kind of, we have a good network. We're trying to, you know, talk to this person, talk to that person. Um, but it is difficult, you know, I mean, Israel is, um, shut the internet off in Gaza um, for a lot. You know, the electricity, I think, hasn't even been put back on yet. I think the water's just been put back on. Like, you're turning off the water, you know. It's it's outrageous. There's like a million children live there, you know. So, I don't know. It's a real stressful situation for everybody involved, but we're finding it quite tricky. But, you know, we're doing what we can. What were some of the things that you saw in conflict journalism that was a problem and... Like, how did you create your own path with uh, Popular Front in relation to that? Like, what are were there people that you saw doing work out there? Like, were you inspired by, like, people <laughs> doing vice stuff for, like, um, did you have issues with that as well? Or, yeah, where did this all start for you? Um, I mean, I've got to say the vast majority of conflict journalists that I know of and have seen are excellent, do very good work. But there is uh, a more kind of sordid undercurrent to it all that I really didn't gel with, the very elitist attitude. And it just felt very at odds to what we were doing to me. It's like, why are you so elitist about that? I think you go on the ground and talk to people that fight wars. I mean, it, it's commonly not the upper classes that fight wars. <laughs> so right. it was a yeah, very weird totally. thing for me to be like snooty, snobbish people, be the people trying to represent the people on the ground in the dirt fighting and I just always found that really weird and I remember when I first started I'm obviously not 
I mean, I don't know how much you know about class in Britain. I, I think you know quite a lot about it. And like class is, is kind of the most obvious social signifier, really. And I, I think anyone would tell you I'm quite obviously not from that kind of upper class set. I just wasn't raised that way. I didn't grow up that way. And I don't sound like that. And I think that I found a very weird barrier for me with things. And I found that actually the barrier existed within the kind of journalistic culture, but never on the ground. The people that I was filming with and making documentaries with very much appreciated you just being normal. You know what I mean? And they, they didn't give a shit if I had this degree or not. I don't have anything. I finished school at like 16. I, I'd never went back. And no one cares. You know, I, I found that I could get on with anybody. And I was like, okay, well, that's my little niche. That's how I do it. And then I just found that some people were almost like trying to mock me about that, you know, and I, I found it, I was very young at the time and I, I, I come from like a, a, you know, small working class town and then ended up working in big old London in the media sector. And I went straight in at Vice and I was like, oh my God, like it was so different. And it weren't really a place you could kind of make mistakes. Not, I don't mean journalistically, but just, you know, trying to get to learn where you are, different kind of people. And it was a very weird place. People were, you know, I'd never really heard of this term cringe until I worked there. People where I'm <laughs> from, if they can't dance properly, they don't give a shit. They still dance, you know, because that's what having fun is about. <laughs> and I felt that when I started working at Vice, I realized there's this culture where everybody's watching and monitoring each other to make sure each other is performing in a way that is deemed cool or whatever. And I, I don't, I didn't fuck with that. I was like, this is ridiculous. But I like cool shit. <laughs> so I learned okay. everything I learned at Vice. And Vice, at the time, I was at Vice News. It was very good for me. I, I got my career through it. You know, very grateful to them. I don't like the path they went on. So I kind of left and was like, mm, I, I think I've got a point with this. I had this idea where I don't think you need to always have this stiff attitude with reporting. Oh, it's war. It's very serious. You have to be stiff. And I felt like, well, not really, because the people I meet 99% of the time are, are the opposite of that. So why then are we doing this weird, stiff presentation? Vice News started, you know, the, the the kind of veering away from that. And I feel like I learned a lot from that and then took a load of my other inspirations and just said, fuck it, put it all together. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, if it doesn't. And, you know, five years later, people seem to really be into it. And we're, we're definitely the fastest growing independent um, war reporting platform there is. And there's no real like genius to it. I didn't come up with anything like unique, that unique or specific. I guess I just thought, I think this will work <laughs> and it kind of has, you know what I mean? So it's very kind what you were saying at the start, but sometimes I don't even know if that's true. I feel like, I guess, I guess it was a disruptive thing to do actually. I mean, I, I don't want to put myself down, but I also don't think it was anything. It was ready to happen. I just happened to be the first one to go, ah, I'm going to do that. But it was an accumulation of like learning loads of other stuff, you know, Vice News and previous places I'd worked and all the things I'd worked on before that. And it, it just, you know, and it just worked out. I mean, not to go on, but like even even like inspirations from when I used to skate when I was like 12, 13 years old. It came back into it, you know, like the editing style is very like CKY and <laughs> skate. Oh my know. God. Yeah. I was totally. Yeah. Right. It. I was like, yeah. just put it together and, it, you know, luckily it worked. Let me turn this off. But um, yeah, I mean, there was nothing. It won't go off. There was nothing that like revolutionary, I don't think, at the time. I think it was just a good time to do it, if that makes sense. Um, I feel like, you know, Vice, as far as like media companies has like a more uh, level headed, almost like DIY, like sense to it, unlike, you know, bigger American journalism companies mm. like 
even you being there and coming from like a lower class, you had to deal with uh, the sort of like classism that exists in this journalism. Um, did you feel mm -hmm. like you learned anything about like, like who, where is Vice's like money coming from and stuff like compared to like these other big media companies? Cause I, I feel like it, I, the sense I get is that it's more level-headed than uh, perhaps like CNN and MSNBC and Fox news and all the big guys. It's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure if it was more level-headed or it was in the sense that they were the people that would give me the opportunity. Vice was like very, it was like a meritocracy. What's the word? Whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. It was like that one when it started. It was like, if you had a good story and you were good at what you did, you could do it. You know, where, when within, I mean, honestly, within six months, I'd gone from working on the building site as a laborer in my hometown and like, you know, writing on the side and pitching stuff on the weekend or whenever I had free time to making my first documentary for Vice News. I mean, it's unheard of, you know, it's, if I'd have been at the BBC, I'd have been making tea for 10 years before I even got like, <laughs> a crumb of like conversation with a commissioning editor so it was great like that but the class thing is funny because like normal people in England don't really it's boring it's boring to talk about class I'd never been somewhere where people were so I mean you're conscious of it perhaps when you're younger because you have friends that you say certain things and you realize at school like you know like I go around to certain people's houses you know for tea or whatever when you're younger and you realize oh god thing i've just said they clearly don't say that thing here <laughs> you know what i mean and it was never like that prevalent i mean don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not like oliver twist or anything you know just came from like <laughs> you know, from a good family and worked hard but i just happened to you know we just just happened to have like a, a slightly different upbringing to a lot of people there and it rubs off on you you know to a degree and um i think i think i never really you notice a few things but you're not that it's just i think working class people don't go on about class it's just boring i mean it's just it is what it is you might be like oh look at that fucking snob you know like that's a lot of things mm -hmm. like, oh he's fucking right posh twat he's a flash twat but <laughs> other than that you know it's not really that it's just it is very boring i think i'm boring myself but the reason i understand why you brought it up because yeah in media it's massive so you get to media and i, and I remember someone saying that um i was like danny dyer i don't know if you know who that is but he's like a very like actually a really like cool guy like he's he was an actor in britain very cockney you know from a very like working class background and did really well but kind of became a little bit of a caricature of himself for the tv and i'm from a completely different area i'm not a cockney you know like my accent is not from i'm not from london and i heard someone saying that about me and it gave me a real complex and i was like oh fucking hell and, I, and then i started really trying to like i would try and talk a lot clearer you know i try and hide my and i don't have a very strong accent actually but I would try and hide my accent and pronounce all my T's and, you know, put it on this real voice. And sometimes I think, why did I do that? And it, it got to a point where I was like, I'm not doing this anymore. Fuck it. It is how it is. And this is how I sound. And when I started kind of unlearning that, like, be, you know, try and blend in with everybody else. When I started unlearning that kind of shit and just being myself, um, things went a lot better. So I, and it's not because people want a working class reporter. People don't care. They want you to be yourself. You know, one of my best friends at Vice was a very, I don't mean like middle class, like upper class, family were multi-millionaires, very posh. And he was great because he didn't pretend to be anybody else. He was who he was. He didn't look down on you. And he'd make jokes about, you know, he'd be like, oh, I'm slumming it today with these guys. You know, he was a funny guy and we were fine. It didn't make a difference. And I think people are just kind of a little bit tired of it. And I think I, in my, in my past, have like gone on about it a little bit too much sometimes because of how I felt a little bit funny about it in media. 
but you talking about it one way or the other, you just start alienating people. Like, who cares? It's about what you do and how good you are at it. And I, I don't like that anyone would look down on anybody for any reason like that. You know, I, I really, it annoys me. And I, I don't like that people would choose to work with somebody based on the reflective or the projected social status they think it might give them. You know, like, right. I, I really don't like that. Like, let's have this person on our team because then we'll look good. Like, how about you treat people like human beings and, and not like, you know, like shop front? I don't like that. So so that was one of the main issues I think I probably saw with just people being a little bit snide. And I guess I came from a very different background where, like, you know, I grew up in, like, boxing gyms. Like, I worked in a boxing gym from the age of, like, 15. Well, no, the age of, like, 13, 14 and it was a place where it was a good place, good people, very disciplined. You know, I go there to this day, but it was a place where if you talk shit, you're probably going to get punched in your face. And you realize that in the media world, people will say the most vile, awful things and just think that there's no repercussions. And it's like, right. I found it very hard to, not that I wanted to go around punching anybody in the face, but I think people are like, oh, why are you being so argumentative? And I was like, because you can't talk to people like that. That's not fair. And, and I very much realized that honesty is in the field in journalism, but often not in the office. And I think that's why I had a lot of run-ins with bosses, because I felt, well, if I'm honest in the field, because of my reporting, which I am, then I'm going to be honest in the office, you know? And, and I think that maybe was a bit of a culture clash. But honestly, I brought a lot of the problems on myself, man. I was a fucking <laughs> bot, right, you know? But it, like, I could just shut up so many it times. Makes I sense. Help no, it, it, <laughs> it makes sense, though, because basically what you're saying, I mean, everyone always talks about how journalism is kind of like academia it's a thing that mostly people that are already privileged to a certain extent get into because you have to work so, work so many yeah. so many years in unpaid work you know and it's seen to be part of the intellectual sphere so um like david graber says you know it's it's harder to imagine um you know your son or daughter who you know grew up working class to be uh, art critic at the New York times than it is to imagine them being, you know, some kind of rich banker. So that's why there's so much anti-intellectualism um, in the United States, mm -hmm. because there's all of this rags to riches ideas, but there's not like a lot of understanding of like how clout and prestige and family heritage and pedigree and all these things play into where you end up. But I think for you, it's, it's interesting because then it kind of paints the story of, well, we have this young, bright young lad who wants to do something exciting um he's working at vice and they're supposed to be on the cutting edge but they're not cutting edge enough you know and they're not being dis disruptive enough mm. and so he has to disrupt this class system and do it him himself and a lot of people don't you know you might have you know like a lot of people should be doing that but it seems like you have to go to vice a, a lot of times you have to go to vice first to be like, I don't need advice, right? Mm -hmm. And that's the sad thing about how this system works, I think, is that like you need a certain amount of prestige or class or experience or whatever. Yes, yeah. And it's kind of sad because there's there's probably a lot of people out there, and I'm sure they're in your community even, um, in your telegram and you know, in your social media sphere that probably want to be doing this more and may do that now because they see what you're doing, but wouldn't have done it before. So I'm just curious what you think about that. Definitely. That, and that is, yeah, no, definitely. That's one of my personal, like, biggest, nicest feelings. I mean, and I'm, I'm not bullshitting you. Like, with all the events we've done, even in the street sometimes, people come up to you and are like, I didn't think I could, I was the kind, maybe I feel like I couldn't do this. But then I saw popular 
point I was like fuck yeah if he can do it I can do it you know which is a really good compliment because I'm always saying ain't nothing special about me we just got to change the idea of how this is though and I, I remember feeling like that you know I, I remember I I knew I wanted to work in like media but I didn't know what and I didn't realize I wanted to be a journalist because I just my perception of what a journalist was was like I can never be that guy but then when I learned about journalism, I was like, okay, actually, I don't have to be that guy. I can be myself and still do it. You know what I'm saying? It's not about what kind of guy you are. But I wouldn't say, I would say I definitely did need Vice because there was no other way for me to get the experience. If without Vice, I couldn't do Popular Front. And, and kind of rightly so. Who the fuck would listen to me if I, oh, I'm starting a war platform and I've never been. By the time I started Popular Front, I'd been to 10 wars, you know, and not just pissing about, like, you know, making proper documentaries and stuff and doing a lot of work there. And so I did need it, but it was, you know, I, I really, I, it was, I kind of owe so much to them. But at the same time, I did feel like they let so many people down by going the other way. You know, it was, right. It, but they didn't let anyone down. They don't have any kind of um, responsibility <laughs> to anybody, right? They don't. That's not how it works. I get it. But in the minds of a lot of people, I know a lot of people, I know a lot of people that when Vice kind of went this weeds, you know, forgive the term, but kind of uh, left liberal style, you right, know, totally. uh, yeah, yeah. when they started doing that and trying to get into the cancel culture stuff and, oh, we should all be scared of each other and hate each other and da 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 When they really got into that, I know people that just zoned out and then what do they get into? Weird conspiracy theories, you know, and it was like, I know that kind of period is over, but I do think it jaded a lot of people's like uh, path. They were they were going workplaces, but with Popular Front, I mean, we've always said like we kind of play on it a bit, but we're genuine. We're like, yeah, it's for like you know your average weirdo misfits. Like we have punks on our team. We have like anti-fascist. We have like strange like libertarian. We don't give a fuck. Like so long as you're not like a fucking Nazi and you don't want to like <laughs> murder people because of some weird political opinion you have like you know it's okay with us and that was kind of our point like we don't need to listen to that thing of like you must be in this camp you must be like this we were like actually fuck that it's not just about class but it's not about any of that it's like are you good at this yeah all right cool well i think this all right i think that's dumb but i don't really care you know like it, we we had to just start saying like i don't care you know someone messaged me the other day your music producer put up a meme that was quite, that's my friend for like 20 years and I know him and I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Right. But, but, but it's like, stop looking to us as if we're your mummy and daddy. That is one thing I really wanted to dispel and get rid of. I noticed people started to rely on journalists like they're their nanny. Tell me what to feel, pat my back, tell me my opinions are right. I don't give a fuck if you're, I don't care. We'll tell it as it is and that's that. And Jake, you've disappointed me. I don't know you. <laughs> Stop this yeah. parasocialism. I'm a war reporter. You don't need to be like that, you know? And I think that was annoying for a lot of people, but very refreshing for a lot of people as well. The youngers, man, the young generation, it's it's like, you're about my age, right? I'm 33, right? So yeah, our I'm, generation I'm 37, fucking, yeah, yeah. Yeah, same, same generation-ish, right? It's like our generation to me is poison. When I see the youngsters, I was watching this thing the other day, uh, Neopunk. I don't know if you've seen it like this, like young like very DIY music um, YouTube channel. And I was watching the, you like the kids, the the weirdest shit ever. And I was like, the kids are all right, man. Like this shit that we're all concerned with, it's not even on their radar. They don't care, you know, and they're not. and And I realized that if you think everyone cares, you box yourself into something and you completely shut yourself off from your average person. And shouldn't war reporting be for the other people? You know, I've always said it should not be for other journalists. And I think that's that's something that's really helped with us, you know. 
Sorry, I'm rambling a little bit, but I think that was like that's what podcasts a very are good for. question, and it's something I think about a lot myself. You know <laughs> what I mean? Because I do check myself, like where are we going? We don't want to get, we don't want to think we're too important. But then there is a point where you have to go. Actually, this is important to a lot of people. You know, you, you have to. It's good to be humble, but it's also good to understand there's some level of like responsibility in keeping the vision. You know? Have you seen this meme that I'm about to send about Vice? before matthew can you pull this up on the screen yeah i got you yeah, yeah. uh hmm. it won't load for me oh here it is i'm gonna present hmm. so we can we can watch it together if matthew pulls it up here. okay okay yeah yeah i'm yeah, so glad my gonna... uh, that i paid for works terribly <laughs> oh god i've been sent this a thousand times okay yeah <laughs> i don't really i don't like it i don't find it funny either because <laughs> it hits too close to home no no because we did it's loads of amazing stuff and also the thing that the guy comes up with would be incredibly interesting <laughs> i don't know i just think it would be very like that to me i'd read it <laughs> do you know what i mean i would read it too <laughs> I yeah, I, I don't know. I don't. I mean, but do you I feel like you're, you're less boxed in now? Wait. So what did it say? It said. Wait. What did it say? Venezuelan transgender artist. Ketamine. Sells, yeah. Ketamine sells dealers. Ketamine. Yeah. Oh, ketamine dealers. It's, I don't know. Yeah, I think that's quite interesting. <laughs> like, I would probably, watch it. You know, I like. That's someone who exists in Bushwick it. for sure. Right. Uh, I think Jake, a lot of stuff Jake like doesn't that. know about Bushwick. Yeah, I, I kind of do from various podcasts oh, I listen do? to. Okay, right? okay, yeah, okay. yeah, I, I, I'm a big okay fan of uh, Tramel as well, right? Brad Tramel. Brad Tramel? Brad, Brad Tramel. Um, yeah, yeah. Massive yeah, fan great. of his work. Um, and so I learn about things. It's funny because I watch his stuff have, not even knowing about the scene. And then I watch it. And I'm like, fucking hell, I didn't even know anyone gave a shit about that, you know? But then, <laughs> you know, it's like I, I love through him. Like Dime Square, I was like, I didn't know anyone in the world gave a shit. I didn't even fucking barely know what it was. I thought it was like a come town bit until I realized, like, oh, it's a real thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know? um, but I, I think he's like bang on. Like whatever he believes in is like my ideology. Like he's so fucking on point with it. The the literalist perspective I thought was amazing. But my point being that meme, okay, that's funny. It's funny because people are like, oh, that's so something they would do here. Your average person in somewhere else might be go, cool, I didn't know about that. That's interesting. Like, I don't know. I just, for all the things you can say at Vice, I don't think it's fair to be like, look at this crazy story they did. Like, yeah, that's why it's cool. No, <laughs> like, exactly. that's why. Yeah. I no, it's, it. it's refreshing. Yeah, um, yeah, but... that's what I thought. Um, now, I, I don't know, Vice is in a funny place. I don't really, you know, when it when it came out that they were going bankrupt, I thought that sucked. You know, like people were like, yeah, I bet you're happy. And I was like, no, like. There's loads of good people there still. It's not their fault that some weird shareholders wanted to like shave all the edges off. Um, but I don't know what's going to happen to it, you know. Who knows? Yeah, it's kind of. I'm kind of done with it. If that makes sense, you know. It's. I know a lot of people that were there when I did are still very bitter about it. I was bitter for a year or two, and then I was like, you know what? Fuck it. Rebuild. Do our own thing. You can't. You have to move on. You know. Yeah. Totally. How I'm... long have you been doing Popular Front? Five years now. So since 2018. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of short, but it feels like forever. But it, it's kind of a short amount of time. It's been quite, like, it's been quite, like, fast growth, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and do you think that you've like inspired a new kind of journalism through doing this? Um, I don't want to say like yeah because I think that's cocky, but I definitely have noticed a lot of people, like, I basically there's a thing now where people will say, "Oh, that looks like Popular Front." 
oh, you do, you're copying Popular Front or this looks like Popular Front, you know? And I don't necessarily think that's bad at all. You know, I, I've seen new up and coming reporters and I just know like they've they've definitely seen us and I re- sometimes I reach out to them when they're good I'm like hey like that's really good we like it like if you ever want to work together they're like oh shit yeah I, I watch popular front that's why I do that you know what I mean and that always makes me feel really good and I, I'm not I'm not a gatekeeper either like I don't own the genre I don't own the style but I own our style and I created our style you know what I mean mm-hmm. so it's not like for us it's it is how it is but I don't think I'm the only one and I've said this for a long time I've not seen it yet, but there will be a day when someone that was inspired by Popular Front will do something better than Popular Front with the same but, thing. And then we we'll be like, all right, our time's done. Yeah, Sorry. we wanted to ask about that, actually, about like mm. uh, maybe not doing it better, but has there been any imitators that either concern you or like that are doing it in a direction that you don't like, you know, or are there any imitators even that you know about? I'm just curious. Yeah, I mean, there are, I mean, yes and no, because someone will say, oh, look, there's this Instagram account, they use the same style as you. And then I look at it and it's like, okay, it's just an Instagram account. <laughs> there's nothing else. It's like that, you, you basically don't exist. You're vaporware. You know what I mean? We are right. a platform, we do documentaries, we have a magazine, we have an anthology, we have merch. We, you know, we've done, we have a podcast, we've done so much. The Instagram page is just the socials of Popular Front. The Instagram right. is not popular front. So when someone's like, well, look, they've got more followers. I'm like, okay, cool. It's a Instagram. It doesn't mean it's fine, <laughs> but what the, who gives a fuck? You know, it's like, this is this, that, that it's not enough just to have an Insta. You don't have a platform. If you have an Instagram, you know, I right. can make an Instagram with like hot girls and I get fucking loads of followers. It doesn't mean anything, you know, right, it, totally. it, 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 it's attention. It's, it's this, it's sharing. And it doesn't, that doesn't really bother me. And I don't mind if people, are inspired by us because i'm inspired by loads of different things you know um and i'm very open about it but i don't like when people have outright copied us and some i've even reached out to and be like hey like come the fuck on you know like that's not fair mm-hmm. and they're like there's two are like cool and then others are like fuck you jake you're fucking i'm like all right whatever man like and then we just switch up our style but i don't worry too much about that because i don't want to be too much of a like like hard about it and and, and you know, it's never uh, no one copies it. I mean, the main thing is, like, I've seen people literally use the same style for their logo. It's like, come on, man. Like, you've used the same font, like, for your logo. Like, that's a bit... You're doing the same Pop- thing. Popular I font. I think that's... Yeah, <laughs> like, I think font. that's unfair. Wait, what's... So, if I wanted to steal your font, what's the font? It, it's, uh, it's, it's top secret. <laughs> no, it's fucking <laughs> drunk, and it's like a friend of mine just stretched it in, like, you know, photos. <laughs> but um, sometimes, I, what I mean is, like, they've made it look the same, and I'm like, come on, man. But um, What's your friend's name? Could mean. we get him to stretch it for us, too? <laughs> <laughs> we for have, this like, episode, we have, um... no, it'd be fun for this episode for us to no, steal No, you should, no, definitely. I yeah, yeah, yeah. neoliberal hell in the popular front logo, and then we just You just have to, like, it. stretch the, the O, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll just do that but, for um, this episode. Yeah, we have there's like a funny. meme account that was like unpopular front. I've seen a few of them. Very popular low effort. Front selectuals. It, is it's there just a very like low effort. Yeah. Jake's a CIA agent. He's this. He's that. I'm like, like what else? <laughs> like it's kind of like oh, it's kind of boring. You know? We never oh, meet. Yeah. These, I always say it. It's kind of a joke. We kind of say it like tongue in cheek. We never meet these people outside ever. We've never once had one person come up and be like, fuck you. It, you know, it's always online. So it's like, if it's there, we have the feeling it doesn't exist. You know, it, it's fine. Yeah, totally. Have you dealt it's with like, a if lot you log of... Off, it's gone. <laughs> it's fine, yeah. you know. Have you dealt with a lot of, uh, like, censorship on Instagram? Like, 
you know, I, that's something that I've focused a lot on is the like algorithmic uh, moderation system at, at Meta. <laughs> yeah, we saw yeah. your post got taken down. Um, and I've, yeah, I think yeah. I've noticed that you've posted about posts being taken down. Yeah, um, yeah. Um, and yeah, you're very much on point with the algo stuff. And there's a lot of people that really, oh, what's the word? Go boss, gaslight, that's the one. There's a lot of people that like gaslight you into being like, no, you're just you're just paranoid. No, fucking no way. <laughs> no way, as you know. We we so right now we're not it's a good question because right now we're not we had to stop uh, like two days ago even posting anything on our Insta because our Insta's touching about we're on our way to like five hundred thousand, which we need the Insta. It helps us promote our work, it helps us get our shit out there. Why do we make stuff? We want people to see it. So we need the Insta. But we're getting censored to fuck and they just started pulling down all these posts and we actually went through the fucking, you know, the community guidelines with a, with a fine tooth comb. Like, there's nothing, you know. Yeah, this is it we put up, right? We didn't break the, you know, we put this thing there saying, here's what happened, here's how many people died and here's some images censored, you know, and we're a news agency and da-da-da. And um, yeah, we, we, we basically, they just started pulling down all our uh, posts, only Israel-Palestine stuff, mind, which is kind of weird and yeah they started pulling it down and then you know when you can appeal to say this was unfair so yeah. we appealed and said actually like we haven't broken anything blah blah and so now they've removed the option for us to even appeal so they're taking it down we can't even appeal and um and yeah man they're threatening to ban our account so i said look it's unfortunate but we're gonna have to fucking stop posting for a bit until like the heat is off of us a little bit which is horrible because our job is to put the stuff out there but um yeah, probably. yeah, they start and like pretty... flagging certain words, and then like right, and and we're not. This is though, we weren't even posting anything like pro, right? So if there's Israel has killed this many children, that happened. To say that it happened is not being pro anyone. It's being a objective. fucking reporter. Yeah, well, I mean, we're not even like objective. We have our feelings, but we say what happens, you know. So yeah. you know, you saw it the other day. God rest his soul. A journalist for Reuters just got killed by an Israeli airstrike. And Reuters, their own team, said, oh, he got killed in a missile that was fired from the direction of Israel. <laughs> no one else has an air force over there, you know. It was it's clearly so Israel. Right? And it, it's this very, like, deceptive, mealy-mouth thing because people are scared of being accused of being a pro-jihadi or whatever. Because don't get me wrong, I mean, what Hamas did was catastrophic. It was disgusting. I mean, anyone that's arguing that raping women and driving around and spitting on their heads is like, oh, that's legitimate resistance. You know, I, I kind of have the feeling that I, I think that's a really outrageous thing to say. But I'm also of the feeling that it's very outrageous to say eye for an eye when a fucking child gets killed, uh, is bombed, you know, and their whole house yeah. falls down on top of them because they Just happen wiping to be... families out, complete Wiping lines. out families, as if that is like... And, the, you know, and all the Western countries with our fucking Western values and now like, yeah, great. That's that's great. It's like, what the fuck happened? You know, I've you never see, seen so much psychopathy in my life. You, know? you see like BBC, crazy. you know, reporting... Uh, this many Israelis killed and this many Gazans died, right. and it's just yeah, as if they died of dysentery. You know, like yeah. it's it's crazy. I mean that. I mean the thing with that is as well. Like, even that I've seen. I posted just that screenshot, and like it didn't even say anything just on Twitter because I've like I've been logging into Twitter, posting what we need, and just logging out. Like, I don't want. I'm not fucking interested in like arguing online. I've got stuff to do, and even that people are being like, well, actually, it's so they don't. It's 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 to avoid repetition. It's like, come the fuck <laughs> on. Like, you know, it's like they'll find any way to explain it. 
And I just, I, it's perverse, man. And Interceptor are working on an article. It might be out now. And, I'm, you know, I'm not the biggest fan of Interceptor. I think they have some headbangers that work there. But they also have some very, very good people that work there as well. And they're working on an article Can about right now. what where... headbangers means for us? Oh, I sorry. Mean, just like a fucking idiot. Like a nutcase. <laughs> like someone yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the kind of, we have, um, we have a, we used to have a t-shirt. We're doing a patch about it soon. It says, um, everything I, um. What I thought I'd do was say everything I don't like is a psyop. You know, them them kind of people. Yeah, like, exactly. If it doesn't yeah. align with their politics, it's a psyop. You know, and it, it's right. like imperialism, so long as it's for the side that you like, you know, or don't like. It's just it's just playground shit. Anyway, but they're working on an article right now, basically reaching out to reporters and saying, Have you been censored? Have you been, you know, kind of told not to say certain things? And, you know, I don't want to bait any anybody up, but I know of reporters working at very big news agencies that have been told to change decades old terminology specifically only for this conflict um you know bbc right now is getting a lot of shit actually for refusing to call hamas terrorists not because they don't think that what they don't use the word terrorist we don't we even call isis militants because a militant is a descriptor of something terrorism is a is a there's feeling to it right there's like it's an emotional word so we have just always said fuck it militant and you know and even people don't like that oh why have you called the militants it's because they are, and it doesn't mean left, right, up, down. It just means what they do. You know, they acted in a militant way, you know, violence for political means. It's just a descriptor. So, obviously, BBC have kept that, and even they're getting shit. They're like, how dare you go call them militants? You should be calling them terrorists. And now there's this fucking Hamas slash ISIS bullshit. Like, it's just so weird. Not, not to say, like, oh, yeah, Hamas are great or anything, but it's just this very childish, like, it's like return to baby, you know, it's like, it's yeah. like grown adults acting like babies. And I, I've just, it's not useful, especially in something so serious as this, you know. That kind of leads us to this other question that I think is more, uh, you know, very central happening right now. Um, with your reporting, it kind of gives, there's kind of this tension that exists, right? So you're on the front lines, you're covering a lot of things that are very dramatic. Um, how do you deal with this idea of it? playing into like the glorification of war and like this idea mm. that war is, I don't know, it's, it's this kind of ethos that is part of like the destruction of society. You know, it's part of the, you know, the most nihilistic aspects of humanity. It's the saddest mm. thing. It's the most brutal thing. Um, how do yeah. How do you, how do you reconcile that? You know? I mean, it's a tricky one. I, I don't think we've ever indulged in it. I mean, we'll, you know, if there's a riot, our idea is, for example, in the editing style, we want the viewer to feel as close as they can possibly to what it actually feels like to be in a riot without being there. A riot is dangerous and wild, but there's some element of like adrenaline about it. So I'm going to edit it in a way. I think it's actually a better way to present it, to edit it with fast music and da da da. da. For me, I think that's a much more honest way to represent something like that. You know, um, if you just show like a riot with sad music, well, that's not why people are in it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if anything, if you do that, it kind of argues that they're only there because they really need to be. A lot of people join a riot because it's they get caught up in the adrenaline, you know. I mean, because, probably half would, of people that are right are ideological. Sorry. Oh, it would be funny though if you were if you had like white supremacists and then you were like well, editing in gay techno music. Um, yeah, I mean, it would be pretty like on point, right? <laughs> like, and then it's what, just like oof, 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 and then you just make them look super feminine, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, I mean, that's like that's what they're that's really just my like. <laughs> but like, you know what I'm saying, though? Like, we yeah, yeah, no. And 
you know, totally. people say, oh, you did this. I'm like, okay, well, did you watch the doc or did you watch the first 10 seconds? You know, for example, our Armenia doc, you watch that and it's a, one of the saddest things I've ever filmed and there's nothing fucking exciting in that doc. Like, it's very sad, the whole fucking thing. Um, you know, and and it, it's, it's like, for example... On. Too. Yeah, it's yeah, and but it's not trendy enough, right? It's it's not popular exactly. enough for um you know for white communities to care about. Um, yeah, and so so there's that, and then you know if you look at our a good example is our, our Ukraine doc we made with the Antifa hooligans who are now soldiers, and you know the start was showing all their footage of them fighting and da da da, but then we go and interview an old lady and the, her house is fucking destroyed and like her kids are like gone and. You know, and it's obviously we're not putting fucking techno over that, you know, so there's pacing and people that accuse us of that. I'm like, well, you clearly haven't watched it, you know, and um, but uh, but to your point, that's us. That's me kind of being defensive, not to you, but to people. Oh, say no. That, but yeah, there, yeah. No, there is a massive glorification. Yeah. Definitely. There is like, you know, like every every third photo. Uh, every third video from like Ukraine was like funk music. Da, 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 oh, killing him some killing da, da, da. and it's like without the context of an interview and anything else behind that that's literally just promo you know and that that isn't right yeah this is this is our th- uh, one frontline hooligan i'm so proud of this doc um i mean this is ultimately not a doc about war as much as it is a doc about friendship um but anyway but yeah so there's a lot of very weird there's this thing of like the PR battle has, and I do understand it, like the PR battle has to be war is brutal now. We're all plugged in. So we have to show that we are winning. And the way you do that is by appealing to young people or making some element of war look cool. Because it's like our boys are winning. We're a part of it. Da, da, da. But that actually really, in my opinion, starts adding to depersonalization vibes. You know, it's like, oh, right. they're just like this, this ant. And I'm not one of these people that's like, oh, we just need peace, man. Some people do some shit. And, you know, certainly if someone tries to invade my country, I'm not going to sit there and pray that they leave. Um, But at the same time, people that are sat there in comfort treating a war like a football match, it's, I don't know, it doesn't sit right to me. And I do worry, maybe I have added to this in some way. But I really, when I sit down and look at what we've actually put out, I, I definitely don't think we have. I think like, if you look at, if you really watch our shit, as opposed to just watch 10 second clip here and there on Instagram, if you really watch our documentaries and listen to our podcast, it would be absurd to accuse us of that. But I do feel like there is some level where the paths cross over, if you know what I'm saying, with us and the people that just want to see, you know, people on our Instagram fucking hate us a lot of the time. It's like, but why do they follow us? Well, they just want to see the war so yeah it's i don't know they're anti-fans so they they hate watch basically right yeah and it's again it's like we've never met one in life but um you know yeah we're certainly not going to stop them quietly if they do come and see us you know what i'm saying we're not that them kind of people but we also you know i do get it i get why they would be attracted to us but there is another aspect to it people say like why don't you moderate your instagram comments people are saying horrible stuff i'm like why don't you go and do something else you're a grown adult the fuck up and go and get a hobby like it's really not our responsibility we're not your friend we're not your nan and if someone we have nothing to do with is saying horrible shit in the comments look away or ignore it or just pay us to moderate it and if you're not going to do any of that shut the fuck up you know it's like grow up i hate this thing where people want you to hold their hand i mean honestly Mm -hmm. 2023 and people are literally messaging you asking you to personally moderate your comment section rather than literally just looking away oh my god somebody messaged me the other day 
and because I was following somebody and they made a comment they didn't like and they called me a genocidal idiot. And like, I didn't even know who this- You're supposed to, you're responsible for your entire milieu online, basically. I didn't even know who this person was. Right. I didn't even understand the context of the debate. And I'm just like, you leave me no choice but to block you. I have no idea. People say I'm sensitive. I'm not sensitive. I just see it. I'm like, idiocy, you're gone. Bye. Like if you're, if you're making my day like one second slightly annoying online, it's just, you're gone. (laughs) Like I don't care. It doesn't matter. (laughs) And the people are like, yeah. Coward, you've been blocked. As if not blocking someone was like the epitome of courage. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, it's totally. Yeah. I mean, so to to kind of round that out though, like I think the the other side of it is that people would say that, you know, the glorification of war can in some part be amplified by some people. And we see this on YouTube. Um, there's a lot of like war strategy kind of like background and kind of like geopolitical youtube channels that exist and they mm. are really popular you know yes. they have millions of followers some of them are called like really think like one of the one of them is called like the infographic show i think or something what is it called um one is like mitchell k like anyways these people you know they they do something that you don't do they don't tell personal stories they mm-hmm. they exactly. are yeah. talking about this from a completely depersonalized narrative that is alienating people or that is meant to alienate the people they're talking about and is meant to make you want to in this case uh join the propaganda of israel and like you know a lot of them are talking about israel right now a lot of them are war hawks towards uh china um and so what you so i think in so if people were to say that you're glorifying war i think if you put it I would, I would maybe put it in contrast. This is what I would say to them. I would say, well, have you seen these YouTube channels where everything is literally all about war? There's no human stories. It's all about like how we can increase this. Yeah. And, and you're actually going there. You're taking way more risk. You're not just putting archive footage together and taking these like, like opinions that you probably have. Like, the, I don't think these people are so far about. removed from the actual conflicts that they're, you know, engaging yeah. with. But the irony is they're way bigger than us, <laughs> all of those channels. <laughs> and they make more money than us and they have more subscribers and they're not they're not shadow banned, they're not censored like we are. And it's it's not some dark, insidious plot. It's just people want their backs paid. And a lot of these channels do that. We don't ever really seek to pat someone's back. We say, like, hey, here's here's what happened, here's someone we spoke to, and here's their point of view. Here's, you know, and we're very honest. We're like, yeah, we, we don't like authoritarianism. And if we see that, we think that's bad. Well, I don't give a fuck about left, right, all of this. If, if you're trying to step on someone's head, we don't like that, you know, and we, we did, we would then, you know, have a point of view from the, the side of the people that want the boot off their head. I think that's, I don't think that's like necessarily exactly. so much of an opinion as a human feeling, right? Nobody wants that. And I, I am, we, I have a very personal belief in to be free is to be free always you know it's freedom of who you want to be freedom of who you want to love and it's not even that political for me i'm just like leave people the fuck alone you know you can't be free and then decide the parameters of that based on if you like or don't like something you know it's like okay you don't have to like it but unfortunately that's what we're getting told now you have to like everything but i do think that like tolerating it is enough you know and to 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 have tolerance is 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 really important and the second that you don't have that, you know, you, you try and, I feel like, remove someone else's freedom. So that's our own point of view. And and people are always like, what's the ism schism? Are they anarchists? Are they this? Are they that? And we're like, honestly, like, 
we don't really think about it that tough. We just see that's bad. Hong Kong is a good example. You know, the Hong Kongers were were trying to get rid of like, you know, out and out authoritarian, totalitarian ideas put on them. And we had loads of these weird like white communists being like, but the Hong Kongers, the protesters want a neoliberal government. So fuck, what the hell has that got to do with me? What has that got to do with you? Like you at home want to tell these guys, actually, don't have that view, have this one because of I read Mao when I was fucking 12. Like it's just so self-righteous to choose the side of what you think is right in that situation, you know? <clears throat> I've been around situations where I'm like, man, I think that's like, I think that's fucking weird, but who the fuck am I to tell someone how to act in the war? Obviously, there's levels to that. There's obviously red lines, da da da. But my point is, I just think that's a lot more of a complicated, harder to understand and swallow pill than a guy standing with a clipboard with a geopolitical thing going, if they move there, they move there, we need to bomb them. You know, it's it's very different, I think, what we do. I, well, it's not different. It's what things used to be like. But I think that now, again, people don't always necessarily want to make their mind up based on what this person has said on the ground. They want to make their mind up based on their favorite commentator. And I think that ties into a lot of the kind of parasocialism aspect, believe it or not, like it's actually really infiltrated war reporting as well. I don't want to get too intellectual with that, but I genuinely think I that's like... part of it. I don't know. Do, do, does that sound crazy? Or do, do you get what I mean? No, I think that there's like a, mur a moral purity test uh, yes, in like yes, creating exactly perfect, that, yeah. the perfect victims and victims have to... Right, be, right, right. Yeah, they have to have... Yeah, perfect politics, or else, yeah, you have yeah. a hard one. Hard right, one like, everything. like, um, I saw someone, um, you know, saying that, oh well, uh, there's this unit in Ukraine, and and you know, they're they're like they don't they don't want to associate with whatever it is that someone else thought of, and it was just like, I don't think anyone on the ground. Is thinking about that. I know they're not. Right. They're just going. Oh right, yeah. And yeah, shelled. I want to be not shelled, and I, you know, and it's just it's it gets very, like you said, it, there's like this purity test, which is actually a very privileged position to be in because no one right. out there has a second to think like that. You know, they just want to live. Not to say you shouldn't point it out, but get the priorities straight. You know. Hey everyone, this is Ryan, the producer. I hope you enjoyed this free portion of the episode with Jake from popular front um if you want the rest of the episode i think we go to like the two hour mark something like that and we get into some more controversial uh topics uh please consider subscribing to the patreon it's only five dollars a month and it provides us with support so we can make the show you know better buy new equipment all that kind of stuff so yeah i hope you enjoyed and uh follow up on patreon if you want more peace <laughs>